their immune systems were way better than ours. Like now, you know, people will eat like, you know, a bean and be like, oh, I eat a bean, I can't sleep. You know what I'm saying? Back then they would eat rotted meat and be totally fine. Their, their digestive systems were, what, what's the right, it, they're like made out of steel back then. Now ours are so soft. Where it's like, I drink lemon kombucha. I'm not going to be able to walk tomorrow. <laughs> I've noticed that. I, I've i reached this age in my life now where I can't eat pizza now. Like, I eat, <laughs> I, I eat pizza and I just feel gross, like, afterwards. I was like, and now I have to have ten tums. It's like, when did that happen? I used to be able to have this iron stomach where I could yeah. eat anything. And now I'm yeah. like, I'm allergic to Papa John's. It's true. It's 2020. I think it's happening to all of us where we should have been eating more crap and, and making our digestive system and immune system stronger. And now, now if we have anything that's not like organic salad, we're fucked. <laughs> Maybe we are fucked if we have too much organic salad, too. That's true, that too. That's true, too. Well. So what is this yeah, about so, Christmas cookies? I didn't see anything about Christmas cookies. Well, you know, I, I had a friend who was, was on a Hallmark movie, so I had to watch it. Okay. And one of the bits of the movie was like, what's a Christmas cookie? Like, is oatmeal raisin a Christmas cookie? And, you know, chocolate chip. If you just make chocolate chip cookies, is that a Christmas cookie? Or does it have to be a sugar cookie? Or does that, you know, what's to have to have frosting on it or whatever? And... I just think like if you're going to make Christmas cookies, then you do have to add something to it. Okay. But um, it's not the cookie's fault. It's your fault. If you, you know, it's just like, <laughs> like I think, mean, you know, I, I guess Christmas sandwiches exist, but you have to do something, you know. I like the idea of just identity politics reaching c- cookies and Hallmark yes. movies, right? Yes. Where now everything is in this binary cultural world where if you're on the right, you're, you do these things. And if you're on the left, you do these things. And now it's like, we don't want your, your cookies. Your cookies ain't Christmas cookies unless they got yep. ginger on them. And I think a lot of the the core kind of beating heart of identity politics to people- Is that a raisin? Get that. out of here, you gay. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's because people are bored. I think people are just looking <laughs> for a fight and they're running out of conflict. Another thing before we jump in, I, I thought it was funny how I, I got into just this Twitter interaction with a Boston guy about Tom Brady because I talked about how I don't like Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, why? And come up with reasons. And why would you hate a person? And, you know, it's like, okay. And, and then I had a buddy who's a Niner fan and he, he was talking about how he hates Aaron Donald and he thinks Aaron Donald's a dick because of some, you know, clip four years ago where Donald got in a, a, a beef with the, the Niners. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, well, you know, he works really hard. He's great. He, you know, he deserves all the awards, but fuck that guy. And then, you know, it's like, like my whole thing is like, if it's kind of like doing cancel culture on like rock and roll, like, mm-hmm. or, or even rap. It's like, I think we decided, oh, we can do it with comedians. We can do it with mm-hmm. politicians. But like, once you start going into like classic rock and being yeah. like if anybody did anything terrible in the 70s they're canceled it's like well then we have to cancel that was the, the whole 70s. thing yeah that was the whole yeah. thing see you later led zeppelin <laughs> <laughs> i think it's the same thing with football players yeah. it's like yeah i think when we talk about hating football players sure it's more of again it goes back to the identity politics yeah we're bored we just need something to be, be mad at and I'm mad at Tom Brady, but no, do I think that he's a terrible human? I don't know enough. I, I don't know the guy, but I hear that he doesn't like strawberries. So fuck him. You know? you know, yeah, a lot of time the uh, the scale for things that we hate people for is different in like uh, 
sports where you'll be like, yeah, I hate him. He's a terrible guy. Oh, why is that? Because he's selfish. How do, how do you know that? Because he's all about himself. Oh, what are you talking about? He's always me, me, me. It's like, well, if you're, yeah, if you got you cameras, if, if you're Tom Brady and you got cameras on you all the time, you won six Super Bowls and the pregame show, 50% of it is talking about Tom Brady. It's kind of hard not to be a little me, me, me. I mean, it'd be different if you're Darius Williams and you're like, man, nobody gets enough Darius Williams. It's Darius Williams all the time. Like, obviously he's not like that, but if you're, you know, Sean McVay, it's hard not to be a little me, me, me when that's all everybody wants to talk about. True that. And then, and then you say, oh, he's selfish, but you know, multimillionaire has got a supermodel wife. He's won six Super Bowls. He's the greatest quarterback of the last 25 years. And the thing is like, like being a dick and not shaking Jared's hand last night. Right. I think that's a dick move, but it's also one of these things. This guy's really competitive in a psychotic kind of way. And that's part of the reason why he won those Super Bowls. is the same thing with like Michael Jordan, right. Is when you're that insane in terms of your competitiveness, sometimes it takes you to a weird space. Yeah. And you find somebody who's at the top of their game or the top of their sport and they're super nice. They're kind of a unicorn. Yeah. You can you can name not that many people that are, you know, the the goat yeah. of their selected field. Yeah. Like 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 Bob Dylan, for example, the guy can still put out an album that is coherent and really good, and he's like a thousand years old. When but you like, say coherent, the, are you talking about the writing? Or are you talking about his because uh, <laughs> Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree? Like I don't know about coherent. <laughs> yeah, he did a song about the JFK assassination, and he's just did- like. They're in Dallas, Texas. How timely. How topical. Yeah. He's well, you know what? He finally got to the newspaper and he's going slow. Bob Dylan's up and, to nineteen sixty seven. Yeah. Exactly. He's he's gonna freak out when he reads about so Sputnik. Oh the summer of love. <laughs> oh Bob. That's funny. But um yeah, so he he's he's a prickly guy. <laughs> this just in, Bob Dylan's a dick. So, Joe, there's a game on Monday Night Football. The Rams played the Buccaneers. Mm. What happened? It was a fun game. That was a weird game. It was a, it was a game. That was a frustrating game. But it was fun. It was Monday Night Football. It's playoff caliber. Let's talk about it. Uh, Los Angeles Rams podcast. Uh, I'm Joe at 3K underscore. With me is Joey, the jerk. What's up, man? Hey, what's up there, dicks? This hey, one's weird because we got we got cut out of our normal audio recording podcasting service, and now we're having to record a video that I'm going to strip the audio from. So now Joey has to look at me when I'm saying dumb stuff instead of me getting to say it to nobody, and that's going to make it hard. So I'm going to ha- I'm just going to the way I'm going to have to adjust. This is like McVeigh with that uh, seven eight guys up at the line. I'm just going to have to get dumber and say more dumb stuff and just throw you off. You're not even ready for it. Ready? How many yards did Tavon Austin gain last night? The answer is twenty. How? I don't fucking know, but it happened. And he wasn't even playing. He was actually in his rec room in Topeka, Kansas. Greg Robinson got a holding penalty. I don't know. I don't know how. It's just true. Mark Bulger ate a sandwich. It's just in. <laughs> do you think? Do you think that's like the kind of news that Bob Dylan sang about? Was that famous sandwich that Joe Namath ate? Joe Namath had a ham sandwich. And had a coot. Bring back Sam Sloman. Uh, 27-24, the Rams win by three in Tampa. Monday night football against touchdown, Tom. Weird game. Weird game for Jared Goff. 39 of 51, 
376 yards, three touchdowns, two funky interceptions. Not much from the running game. Your leading rusher was Malcolm Brown. He on three carries with 20 yards. Cam Akers, five for 15. Hendo had eight for five. Receiving game just going off. Cooper Cup, 11 catches for 145, 13 targets. Robert Woods, 12 for 130, 15 targets. And then a smattering of others. Josh Reynolds, Gerald Everett, Tyler Higby, Van Jefferson with a seven-yard touchdown, and the running backs got involved. Defensively, uh, Troy Hill was uh, among your six tackle leaders with Jalen Ramsey, John Johnson, Michael Brockers, and Michael Kaiser. The fact that you had three defensive backs tells you what kind of a game it was because Tom Brady also was throwing the ball. He had 48 attempts, but just 26 completions. Two and two, two touchdowns, two picks, two ugly, ugly throws. We'll get to that too. 216 yards. They didn't get anything on the ground either. Ronald Jones, 10 carries for 24 yards. Leonard Fournette, seven for 17. People were running into brick walls uh, and didn't get as much out of their wide receivers, obviously, since Tom Brady didn't get anywhere close to 300 yet. Uh, Antonio Brown, eight for 57. Chris Godwin, seven for 53. And Mike Evans getting locked down most of the game by Jalen Ramsey, just five for 49. And that impressive touchdown against uh, Troy Hill and Darius Williams. But it was the defense that maybe told the story. Sean Murphy bunting was the leader in tackles for them with 10. Levante David and Devin White, Antoine Winfield all with nine. Where do you want to start with this, man? It was a weird game. Really, really good game plan for Jared Goff and Sean McVay through about two and a half, three quarters. Things really fizzled out down the stretch. But I think it was it was one of these kind of ta- uh, these playoff uh, caliber games um, where both Tampa and the Rams were trying to find ways to, to escape with a win when there was so much funkiness going on weird turnovers some really questionable calls from the rest weird game what do you think well a lot of it has to do with total yards because the rams had 413 versus the 251 for the tampa bay buccaneers but i have a question about tom brady can you answer this statistical quandary that i have that his stat line was 216 yards passing the team had 209 yards passing can you explain that? I think it I has to he... do. I think it has to do with our lovely uh, double pass, with uh, yes. Tom Brady throwing a pass, getting it back, and then throwing it again, and the penalty getting declined. So why would that even be listed in the box score as a stat if it got declined? I think this is some Tom Brady 4D chess. You can't explain everything with Tom Brady. Sometimes Tom Brady breaks math is what it so like for tom brady when you add eight plus seven sometimes it equals uh 15 sometimes it equals 33 sometimes it equals a double decker taco you don't know because tom brady uh breaks the laws of science sometimes it felt like the game could have been broken open at a different point that safety should have happened yeah with aaron donald getting well a aaron donald getting um held mm-hmm. and b the tuck rule incomplete pass thing and again does it really matter because we won the game and other factors were at play but it did seem we're a game that was advertised as the first game with an all black referee crew it's a little bit unfortunate that it 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 had a it's nice that the game wasn't decided upon that but another aspect of the game is that Sacks weren't a big deal. Your favorite statistic. There was only one sack in the whole yeah. game. Yeah, I thought I thought that was really interesting. And the fact that Jared Goff threw it fifty-one times, but Brady only threw also threw it a lot. So it was a full-on passing game because the Buccaneers weren't running the ball either. Total, they had forty-two yards running versus our thirty-seven yards. So 
it really felt like both teams decided, hey, we can't run the ball, which I was yeah. really shocked that the yeah. Buccaneers decided that they couldn't do that because I think if you can't run the ball with the, against the Rams, do you know what you should do? Keep trying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just normally. Keep trying to do it. And they stopped. And it was really interesting because it felt like the game could have broken for the Buccaneers at any point. It felt like every time we stopped it, it felt like, oh, this is – this is a big break for us. Right. It just, if that get kept going, if it was like six quarters instead of four, I, yeah. I don't think we would win this game. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> for sure. No, we, they we definitely were kind of holding it together. Yeah. Just barely too. And, and yeah, they definitely had chances in that second half to, to put more up than they did. Both teams only scored 10 points in the second half. And it was kind of a back and forth contest of, of kind of, uh, you know, incapability where, where both sides were incapable of getting over the hump. Um, and I think that running game for them was a really central point where the Rams did a great job up front uh, and the linebackers of really filling gaps well. It was really disciplined run defense. I will say Sebastian uh, Joseph Day is turning into a really good player. I know as much as we love Aaron Donald and Michael Brockers had a fantastic game, but he's always due for a couple every year. But Bash is turning into a nice component. I know I know people got excited for Greg Gaines when we drafted him, but to this point, Bash is becoming the more valuable guy up front. It's working. If it's not broke, don't fix it. And so they, they can keep rolling that rotation out there and then plugging different guys on the edge to help support uh, Kenny Young and Micah Kai in the middle, although if Micah Kaiser can't go for a while, we may see some more Troy Reader. But yeah, they did really, really good in run defense and kind of forced Tampa to lean into a pass, which nobody wants to do against the secondary. There's too many good players in the Rams secondary, and you see it every game, whether it's obviously Jalen Ramsey, but Troy Hill, Darius Williams, the safeties. The Rams just have a plethora of guys back there that can make plays. It's really, really, really good. I think I think you also have to mention Jordan Fuller with his two interceptions. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, come on. Sure. And I think were those interceptions that that was very Christmas. That was catch. Uh, that it was, was like a, it was like a father and son playing catch. It, it was, was like it was like Jordan a little Nerf toss. dad. Yeah, mm-hmm. here you here you go. Have that. It was very sentimental. Where like Tom Brady was kind of passing the baton to the next ginger. Here, just here have this. Little. Oh, thanks, Tom. Well, they are connected. They're both six round picks. I mean, maybe he was just passing the baton. One ninety ninth. Yeah, that's right. So I'm going to throw some names at you, and I just want you to tell me how you felt that they did on defense because sometimes it's hard to chart it when you just look at the stat line. Sure. But did you feel like Ashawn Robinson was had a good game? I thought he had a good game. He contributed well. I think the thing is he's coming into it. you got to give him some time. He's still uh, getting integrated into this defense, and especially when you talk about second halves. Brandon Staley is just mastering second halves, man. He's uh, And they talked about it during the broadcast that he's being looked at as one of the great adjusters among coaches in the NFL. And it, the, the results are there. He does it almost every week. Um, so I think it's one of those things where as he's making these adjustments, if Ashawn's not the guy that he wants to use on some of these, that's fine. But I thought he had, it's the kind of performance that you can build on. And I think when we're not asking him to do too much, I don't know that there's anything else that you should say other than he did fine and he's contributing to what's one of the best defenses, if not the best defense in the NFL. Maybe we'll get more out of him moving forward, but we don't really need to right now. Terrell Lewis. Same thing. He's getting there. I'm eager. Unlike Ashawn Robinson, I'm eager to see more snaps for T. Lou because he's uh, probably the best pass rusher that we have. Um, and we're going to need him probably for the playoff push. 
So I'm, I'm comfortable with the trajectory for both, but if Aishans is kind of flat diagonal, Tilu's needs to be curving up. He needs to be ramping up, especially with Samson Abukam starting to give his uh, snaps away, which he should be. I'm kind of hoping that uh, Terrell Lewis ends up taking a majority of those once we start handing off that baton. And last one, uh, our boy, our, our brand ambassador for the Rams. Mo, Fox. he's playing well, man. Right? It's really weird. It's weird. Uh, yeah. But he keeps making plays. So, you know, similar to Aishan, he's getting a couple chances, not a ton. How many snaps did he get? It wasn't many. I'll pull it up. But um, the more he gets, the more he seems to be creating opportunities and, and really hampering things in the backfield, uh, especially in the past. And it's hard not to like that. And I know it's weird to have a guy like Morgan Fox this far into his career and out of nowhere, obviously had the injury, which kind of kept him off the radar for a while. But mm-hmm. You know, the, the more we give him, the more he seems to create with it. He had uh, 22 snaps, so he had 32% of them. Ashawn Robinson had 15 snaps. That's at 22%, and Terrell Lewis at 14. So, yeah, I, I think I'm comfortable with kind of Morgan Fox and Ashawn where they're at, being these kind of role contributors, they're, you know, and doing what they did last night. The more they do that, the more I think it frees up some time for Aaron Donald to catch a breath or, you know, Michael Brockers or Bash to stay on the sideline. But, um those are your primary guys. And so you need role contributors to come in from time to time. And I, it's hard to find fault with them. Terrell Lewis is one guy though, that I need, we need to start turning up uh, if they're comfortable with this health, right? That's the whole reason he fell to us where he did is the, the medical run sheet. Um, but if they're comfortable that they think they can start pushing him over 50%, maybe I wouldn't be surprised if we do that in two weeks, we're probably going to need to do it once we get into the, uh, the meat of the season. And we're already there. I mean, this was the last one, right? Before we get into the real meat of NFC West. So we'll see what happens. Speaking of health, let's talk about who is probably the covert MVP of the game, filling in for Andrew Whitworth at left tackle. Joe was nice. Your boy, Joseph Noteboom. He was good, right? I watched the Baldinger rundown yeah. today on Twitter, and yeah. it was really nice to see how aware he was. Yeah. That he was he was picking up blitzes. He was really he was going against uh Jason Pierre-Paul. Yeah. <laughs> Jason Pierre-Paul. I always think about his hand that got blown up by a firework. But he didn't – I mean, the closest he got is when he, he, he crossed the path of, of Goff and made Goff, you know, go do that bootleg. Yep. Yep. But if that's the worst play of the game, congratulations, no boom. Sure. You had a fantastic start at left tackle. Your first start in the NFL was left tackle. So – Big relief. That they, only was had the, they only had three QB question. hits. One was from Devin White, and the other two were from William Golston, of all people. What a crazy story that was. But, you know, when you're only giving up three quarterback hits and you've got the offensive line that the Rams do, uh, that's a success story. Part of it was McVay scheming a really, really quick offense. I don't know why we had to play that Miami game for them to learn the lesson, but they learned it, right? And Jared was firing the ball quickly. Things were coming out really, really short. Jared Goff uh, had the lowest intended air yards per throw of any quarterback in the NFL this week. They only threw that one deep ball. <laughs> if you if you look at his spray chart, everything is super tight to the line, and then there's one all the way out at SoFi in the parking lot. Um, it was incomplete, right? Yeah, but it was worth throwing, and it, it was impressive that McVay even trusted the line to be able to block that because that was a deep passing concept where that was the design for the play was to drop back seven steps, wait for that route to develop and chunk it, and it worked, and he didn't even get hit for it. Um, but the rest of it was quick hitters. The line did great. Note boom did well. Um, they weren't going to be able to run it because they were just stuffing so many bodies up front. 
Uh, you had to figure out ways to pass around them, which we did, and then sometimes pass through them in the zone. And that's Robert Woods and Cooper Cup's bread and butter, and they just killed it. And it felt like the interceptions were a consequence of that style of play. Yeah. You're going so fast. Yeah. You're trusting these receivers are going to be where they need to be. Yep. So the first interception was, How weird was a miscommunication yeah. with Hendo and Hendo broke one way, the ball went the other. Yep. And it just felt like they were going so fast yeah. that that is what's going to happen when Sometimes. you play fast and loose like that. So I, I, I can I can live with that sure. because when you really think about what this offense did against the Buccaneers, who have a mm-hmm. fantastic defense, very good, throwing up twenty-seven points and still you're like, ah, they left some points on the field, and they did. You know, they, yeah. they missed a field goal, yep. so they probably would have had thirty points. Yep. But really, what Goff was doing is probably what we've been talking about the past couple seasons mm-hmm. of he was a system quarterback. And, and a good one. Sometimes, sometimes with age, you really kind of start to just, I guess, grow into your, who you are, and 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 you're okay with it. Yeah. That Jared Goff isn't going to be anybody else anymore. Right. Like, this is him, and it that was what we were kind of worried about. Was he going to be an Alex Smith? Was he going to be a Joe Flacco? Was he going to be this guy that people would? ridicule if if he doesn't win and, and not get too excited about him and he's always <laughs> going to be the 15th best quarterback in the league but even plays like he's a top 10 guy but he just doesn't get that respect and it's happening it's reality it is yeah. what it is but can he win with that can you win a super bowl with jared goff on his current team and i think the answer is yes i do too because there's a lot of teams that could win like can lamar jackson win <laughs> with the team he has <laughs> sure is he going to win this year Maybe, probably not. The, there's only like maybe three guys that feel like they should win every year because they're so good. Right. Goff isn't one of those guys. Right. He's not Russell Wilson. He's yep. not Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. And he's not Patrick Mahomes. Where those guys are so good that they're better than everybody else on their team right. and everyone's playing up to their level. And Goff is playing up to the team's level and he's a yeah. very good team. If you played for the Bengals, he'd be fucked. If you played for the Browns or the Jets or the Jaguars, he would be on the bench because right. you, you'd blame him too much. Yeah. And is he overpaid? Probably. But, like, this isn't a fair league. Sure. People aren't being paid exactly for what they're worth. Right. But it's what we have. And having a guy that doesn't get hurt, Yeah. knock on wood, a guy who doesn't bitch, mm-hmm. who's just – I mean, there's something about just not having the drama come from the quarterback play sure. Sure. is maybe boring for some people, but it's nice that just you're not worried about, oh, he has a shoulder, he has an ankle, there's a knee thing mm-hmm. he's having. Every week, it's just Jared Goff trotting out and being Jared Goff. I think people should appreciate that a little bit more because you look at something like Carson Wentz, yeah. and every fucking week there's something going on with that guy. You never know if he's going to be right. And even when he does play, he's up and down and like, yeah, Goff could be like that too. He can have bad games, but a lot of it is how he's adjusted to the scheme. Yeah. It's really about how the team is, the defensive scheme on the other team and how they're playing against what McVay's trying to do. And Goff is just the system, quote QB, slotted in and he's facing the wrath of whatever the coaches are conjuring up. Yeah. But it's not about his fucking knee or sure. his hip or whatever. And that is, I mean, 
being a Rams fan, I mean, Sam Bradford is like, sure. Put us all with PTSD. Sure. The consistency (laughs) that you get out of Jared Goff is valuable. No doubt. Yeah. And I I think that the the other thing we can say, if we're going to lean in and we should lean into the, the idea of Jared as a system quarterback is there's a lot of guys who wouldn't be as good in that role, right? There's a lot of system quarterbacks that aren't as good at running systems. And last night was a great example of when he's on and he's spraying the ball around and he's making good decisions before the snap and he knows where to look. He's identifying, okay, I know I've got this linebacker pinned and I know for sure Cooper cup's going to be there and he's got a good arm. He's confident. He's got, you know, the, the understanding of, of how to get uh, the ball to Cooper Cup, Robert Woods in space. And he, he's just, when he manages the system well, it's, it's easy to enjoy. And I think you're right. It's easy to forget that he's part of the reason why, when it's good, that he's part of that reason. And he's not, okay. I think when you talk about system QBs, I think it's unfair to lump him with guys like Case Keenum or Drew Locke. Sure. Or I don't think those guys are fairly system QBs. I think they're more journeyman QBs, which I think is a different category Mm -hmm. to be a fully functional, like elite system QB is something like Alex Smith or cousins or, I mean, I don't know. Is Matt Ryan? Is Matthew Stafford? Are those guys QBs, yeah. or are they just, I, or are they just like low-level gunslingers? I think that that gets into something, right? I think I think that's fair because if if you had Matt Stafford, how much different would this offense function? In t- not in terms of individual quarterback play, but in terms of what McVay is doing. I don't think I don't think Max Stafford would change the capabilities of the offense much. I don't think you'd say, oh, well, now that we have Matt Snafford, now we can do this that we couldn't do before with Jared. That, right? You can, you'd have to do that with like Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Pat, because they're so good at scrambling. They're so good at creating off script sure, sure. that, you, that you can add Josh some Allen. other la- – Yeah, Josh Allen, another one, that you can add some different layers to the offense. But Matt Ryan, Matt Stafford, if you have them – I don't know that there's anything that they can do that Jared Goff can't do. And I don't know that there's anything that they can do that Jared Goff can't do well. I get it that, yes, you're going to get games like Miami and you're going to get some of the other more frustrating performances sometimes, especially when the offense isn't this fast. When McVay is trying to let him go through some things and the offensive line struggling and he's dealing with pressure. We know he's not great at dealing with that compared to most of his peers in terms of the deficit between when you're clean and when you're pressured. But when the system's working, I don't know that there's anybody, when you look at a Matt Ryan, when you look at a Matt Stafford, when you look at a, uh, gosh, who else falls in there? Like, go back to like a Peyton May. I know that's, I know that's high praise, but I don't know that Phillip when Rivers? you talk about, yeah, Philip Rivers, when you talk about guys that can operate a system at a high level, I don't know that they could do things better than Jared Goff when he's doing them well, even against good defenses like we saw. And I think uh, coming off of the Miami game, I know that's been a couple weeks now, but uh, hopefully this was a good sign for people to see Jared performing the way he was and for McVay to be prepared to go against that kind of a front, which we did in Miami and be prepared to go fast and, and, and do what you did at the end of the first half, right? You know, you've got to go fast. You know, you've got to get these yards. You know, you've got to get it through the system. You know, you've got to go short. You're not going to be able to drop back and throw 30, 40 yard chunks. You've got to figure out how to do it with these short passes. And what happened? They made it work. They got down there with one second left, kicked the field goal. Rams end up winning by three. Fantastic. That Robert Woods play where he ran the middle of the field and then as soon as he got tackled, he just sprang back up and they all were able to miraculously snap that ball and spike it with one second left was a magic trick. That was fantastic. That was my favorite favorite play of the game. 
that was up there. I, I might have liked the Cam Akers run because I knew it was coming. It was so obvious that they were setting up that one run. I may, Maybe some of the Darius Williams plays, man. He's really pesky mm-hmm. in a way that, like, Jalen Ramsey isn't. Like, Jalen Ramsey's peskiness was what they called those two pass interference calls for. And I get it. He had his hand on his shoulder. That's really ticky-tack, though. I kind of – Mm-hmm. there's a reason why you don't call those in most games and whatever we absorbed it. We still won the game, but Darius Williams peskiness is like uh it's the difference between like a mosquito and a dog bite. <laughs> like mm-hmm. a mosquito's like, ah, hey, that's annoying. A dog bites like, ah, crap. Darius Williams <laughs> is one of those guys. And that's the thing like Jalen Ramsey, Troy Hill, their coverage is so tight. Quarterbacks don't want to throw the, the, you look over there and you're like, well, I'm not going to make that pass. You look at Darius Williams and you're like, okay, I think I can make this. And all of a sudden here comes Darius Williams, just bites you on the ankle and is able to knock out the pass. He's got really, really good ball skills. I'm looking up passing yards for up to this point in the NFL. Jared Goff, where do you think he is in passing yards of just like numbers ranked? Do you think he's in the top 10? Yeah, I'd put him at the back end, maybe eighth. He is eighth. How about that? He is eighth. It, uh, ahead of him are number one is Mahomes Matt. and oh, one is Russell Mahomes. Where's Matt Ryan? Three. Mm. He's been. It, he it, it's, it's really not that. Uh, it's just yeah, yeah. A, it's a couple of yards sure. there. He has uh, twenty nine seventy eight, and Russell Wilson at two is twenty nine eighty six. So it's like literally right eight eight yards. What's Goff at now? And then right after, uh, Goff is at two eight twenty three. So 2,823 yards and just two, just a, a, a little bit um, away from us, Josh Allen and then Deshaun, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Matt Ryan, Russell Wilson. Uh-huh. Yeah. So right behind him is, is my boy at ninth with 2,699 yards is uh, Justin Hubert. And hasn't played every game, right? Didn't play right. the first game. Yep. No, Justin's I, slinging it. He is slinging it. He's definitely going to be the quarterback. It's going to be interesting to see how if they clean house there. Sure. What they do, but um, I hope they don't because they've had a lot of adversity. I will say this: we talked about system quarterbacks. He's one of those guys that's not. He's not a system quarterback. He is a. No. He's, not. he's kind of a. He's he's a pocket chaos agent, and I like it. Like he's willing to go for throws that you probably shouldn't, um, but he can do it. He can get away with it. You know who's a system QB who has really had a improvement this year is quarterback for the Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, Carr. He has. Derek That's Carr. a good point for sure. And it's a good it's a good indication of what happens when coaching's you know schemes can change. You can you can take a guy like Carr that had maybe struggled for a couple of years, bring in John Gruden, and you're able to change the system and it can turn a team around. Um, the good thing for the Rams is we don't need to turn anything around, right? We're seven and three. We're sitting pretty. Uh, NFC West is going to be a battle, but it's all in front of us. We can, we can, you know, handle our own business. The, the good thing is if, if anything, we need to get a little bit more out of the offense. And that's probably surprise of the season is that this defense continues to prove how legitimate it is. No matter who they're facing, the defense engenders more confidence based on how they've played and who they've played. And they just keep doing it, man. It's fantastic. I wanted to talk about Sean McVay for a second. Yeah. With the struggles to run the ball, mm-hmm. do you think it was more of good things that the Tampa Bay defensive scheme mm-hmm. was? Or mm-hmm. do you think that it was something that McVay just was unable to 
did he beat himself no. with the run game? No, okay. I think it was definitely the former in this game. Yeah, I mean, if you if you go back and look at a lot of those plays, they were lining up four defensive linemen and the linebackers were right on their ass in the gaps. You there's no you can't block you know six seven guys with five guys. That doesn't work, and especially when the linebackers are sitting there in the gap. As much as I love Hendo and Acres, that's you. You can't have a guy sitting there and say, "Go make this work." There's there's no way that's going to work. But when they're that tight, there's no way that they can defend the passes if 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 it's in man. You saw like the touchdown to Van Jefferson. All you got to do is exert body control, and and Van's going to be awesome at that. Or you get guys like Josh Reynolds, who's fantastic at that. And when it's in zone, Robert Woods and Cooper Cup beat zones all day every day and jared goff's very good at he's very good at timing throws uh into zone pockets and last night was a perfect example so you know it it's one of those where you wonder why they maybe it's just because the rams have been so successful running the ball that they were like look if we're gonna lose we're gonna lose forcing jared to do something that we think we can stop versus saying okay let's sit back and support the passing defense and we'll see if the runs the rams run the ball well well we've kind of proven that we run the ball really really well if you give us a chance to do that so they took that out um but it ends up, you know, allowing Jared Goff to do something. He's got to, it's almost like the anti-Aaron Donald effect, right? Where he didn't have anything on the stat sheet, but because Tampa Bay was trying to take out their medium to long passing routes, that's, they're maybe one of the best teams in the league at that. Not only because they have Tom Brady, but because they got Mike Evans, he's fantastic at it. And so when you take that out, all of a sudden your best weapon got what four catches or five catches for 50 yards. You'll take that from Mike Evans every day because normally he's working downfield one-on-one and can win 50 fifties. But if Tom Brady isn't taking the time to get him downfield because Aaron Donald's going to screw you up all day. Now you've taken your best quality off of your team and you're having to play towards something that's not a strength. You're playing into maybe a weakness of your offense versus playing to your strength. I think the Rams had a strength that Tampa Bay said, we're going to take this away, but I, I, I just think we may be underrated and they may be underrated Jared Goff and Sean McVay's ability to respond with a better zone, quick passing scheme. Sticking on the running backs real quick. With Cam Akers, it just felt like when he was in the game, when he got his touches, Mm -hmm. he felt like a little bit more effective than Hendo. And I don't think it's a thing of, well, which one's better. It seems more about it's it's a matchup thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious going forward, do you think that this running back by committee approach is going to be about who has the hot hand or who matches up better with whatever defensive scheme that they're throwing at him? Because I think it's the latter. I think that's part of it. I think it's also going to be who's the most disciplined, right? Like going back to that interception. If that's on Hendo, that's one of those things where if I'm a coach, you, you can think about, think about the impact of that. If you're talking about a playoff caliber game and you've got, I'm not saying it was his fault versus Jared. I really, I don't know. But if, if you go to him and you say, hey, that was a zone inside read. You're supposed to stop there and not try to bounce the screen outside. Why did you do that? And he says, well, I thought I saw this. That's one of the things as a coach where you go, all right, Cam, you're up, buddy, <laughs> because we can't afford to throw interceptions in playoff games. That's the kind of thing that can lose you a game, right? Um, so I, I think it's part of it's going to be the hot hand. Part of it's going to be who, uh, you know, executes the playbook, but also like pass blocking. I know that's been a thing that we talk about a lot with Malcolm Brown, but I saw some good blocks from Hendo. Um, If they can continue to do that, that might be the thing that keeps them in the game and gives them opportunity. The good thing is 
none of these guys, it's not like Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette where, you know, Bucks fans are groaning that those are the only two guys that they have as part of their committee. I really like all three of these. Now, Malcolm Brown's the least explosive, but if it's third and one, he's probably the guy that I want, right? If it's you know first why? and 10, if it's second, because he, he got that hard nose, man. Got the hard nose. He got that nose made out of steel. Um, but yeah, K-Makers, Daryl Henderson, that's a good problem to have. And I'm excited to see. We've seen it enough weeks. It wasn't this week. Tampa Bay cut it out schematically. But, you know, moving forward, when we go through the NFC West, there's going to be teams that aren't going to do that, that are going to give us a chance to run the ball. And I'm excited for both of them. Yeah, me too. And I want to talk about something that was brought up on Twitter in a little discussion on the mentions, talking about Darius Williams and Troy Hill. Yeah. And talking about just this ascension of Darius Williams and he's become yeah. the fan favorite. And anytime you get multiple Picks. interceptions yeah. and they're exciting interceptions yep. versus the Jordan Fuller interceptions, that's kind of playing catch your dad. Yep. But with Darius Williams, you brought up a point, which I thought was very interesting where you're saying that he doesn't have the tight coverage of right. someone like Jalen Ramsey, obviously. Sure. And it makes sense. You know, the guy wasn't a, um, a blue chip, recruit he, sure. he wasn't this this dynamic draft pick he was mm-hmm. he was taken in the sixth round right sixth round mm-hmm. was so. out of uab right and i think he's actually drafted but anyways the, the point is he he's playing softer coverage mm-hmm. but he still has this ability which a lot of secondary guys don't have which is he can he can make then the kind of catch up he can, yep. he can make up on the ground yep. which which in a way i find confounding because if he's quick enough to to, to, to make up that ground, why can't he just stick on the original coverage? Sure. I think part of it is just the idea of where you're risking getting beat, right? Um, and you saw it with the Mike Evans touchdown where they didn't want to get, get give him space behind, but then you give him space in front and uh, yeah. you're trying to tackle him like that. That didn't end up working out too well. So I think part of it with Darius is he doesn't have the straight line speed. He's got quickness, but he can't work with you downfield the way Jalen Ramsey can. Jalen doesn't even have to try. He can sprint with you step for step and watch the ball and keep on you and play the ball at the end he's just naturally physically talented that way Darius Williams is and he's shorter so his strides are shorter but what he lacks in straight line speed he can make up with burst and so that's why you see a lot of those uh, interceptions the first couple of weeks where he's diving to make ridiculous plays is that he's his coverage is off but he can make it up a a quarterback looks that way and says I think I can hum this ball in there and then Darius is like uh Almost like, uh, what was his name? DJ Jazzy Jeff in the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. He's throwing his body out of the house to make these fantastic catches. The reason why you don't see Jalen Ramsey and Troy Hill having to do that is quarterbacks aren't throwing him. It was the same thing with Jalen Ramsey on um, DK Metcalf, right? And I know that kind of thing doesn't grade well for pro football focus. And I know a lot of times people don't notice that. Like you said, the reason why Darius Williams is, is getting so much hype this year is because he's getting those picks. But a lot of times you'd rather just prefer the coverage because as long as you get the coverage, there's nowhere to throw the ball. And, and that's what Troy Hill and Jalen Ramsey have done a fantastic job at. For Jalen Ramsey, it shouldn't be a surprise. The thing is for Troy Hill, for Rams fans, it shouldn't be a surprise either. He's done this for the last four years. He's turned into a really, really, really good cover, uh, man coverage uh, cornerback. And still he has that reputation. Of he does. When he first came in the league. <laughs> it does. Of, it of, is of, so of, funny. Of like, oh, we're never going to compete if we have Troy Hill as one of our guys on the field it was great when they gave up the touchdown I saw so much of it oh they're just targeting Troy Hill he's gonna get ripped tonight and he gave up like two catches it's like man what does this guy have to do 
more people lean into the idea that he you should buy on him now he's got so much tape behind him he's played so much how many how many games has he played in the last four seasons it's not like he's come in for like three or four games he's played in dozens of games and even last year after the Jalen Ramsey trade that was when teams really tried to find out okay can we really attack Troy Hill every first quarter of those last five games teams are going after Troy Hill because they weren't going to go after Jalen Ramsey and they didn't want to try to run the ball too much and so they were going after Troy Hill and they learned okay this isn't very successful we'll figure some other stuff out but I think most teams looked at that in the offseason and said okay Troy Hill can cover we, we can't just target him throughout a game that's not a successful strategy we've got to come up with something else and I think last night you saw what happens you can get some struggles and when Tom Brady is making the decisions that he did on those interceptions when Russell Wilson's doing that I think that's a sign of Brandon Staley's defense just getting into the heads of guys whose heads you normally don't get into. Russell Wilson doesn't make those kind of mistakes. Tom Brady doesn't make those kind of mistakes. We even saw it in the Super Bowl. The, the, I think you're getting an extension of that kind of defense that's growing under Staley and some of the talent that we've added at the back with Jalen Ramsey and Jordan Fuller and Darius Williams and Troy Hill, that, that quarterbacks that are going up against his defense are running out of answers. And they're just like, I don't know what to do. Fuck it, I'll throw it in the corner and hope my guy's getting there. Wait, there was a – Darius Williams was sitting back – Jordan Fuller was just sitting back there waiting to catch this, you know, pop fly. Whoop. And I think you're just getting a lot of whelp from guys that you normally don't get whelp from. Quarterbacks that are too good to be doing that. And the fact that the Rams are making them do it almost week in, week out now is a good indication of how good all those guys are. Darius Williams, Troy Hill, and Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, I mean – it's and they're so doing it too often. It's one of these things where, like, remember Micah Kaiser got uh, player of the week, what was that, like week two? Mm-hmm. And everybody's like, okay, maybe he's turning a corner. Well, once you get a larger sample size, you get, a, you get a median that you can get more comfortable with. The median for this secondary is fantastic. It's really, really, really good. It'll be interesting to how teams uh, do tape on Darius Williams and yeah. how he ends up playing at the next season. Yeah. Once people have like a lot of tape on him, it'd be really interesting. But at the beginning of the season, we did not sure. categorize this team as being defense first, right. run game, then passing. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Because right now, it it's not that the weakest part of the team. Well, it's kicking. It's our special teams now. <laughs> but you know, that was a little bit better. We can talk about just real quick. Um, is it Matt? Is it Matt? Is his first name Matt Gay? How long is he going to last? Do you think he makes it to the Jets? I think he's going to make it the whole season. I think. I think he's. He's. I don't know who else you're going to get unless you do. Unless you do a panic trade or you do something. Sure. Can you even trade anymore? Is the trade deadline already yeah. passed? Would is it is it American to trade for a kicker? I think like I think uh, Biden needs to make that illegal. I think you shouldn't be like like if you tried to trade for a kicker, you, like the cops should just show up and be like. We heard somebody's trading for a kicker. Yeah, yep. no. Come on. Anytime go. they talk about a kicker and and it's they're not doing fantastic. It's more just like oh, I always think of that Adam Sandler song, the Lonesome Kicker. I always said that was such a great song. <laughs> the Lonesome Kicker. I don't know it, but my knowledge of Adam Sandler's uh, was, discography was, is low. It was it was back when we were we were little tots. There you go. It's um early early nineties. So. What one last thing, and then and then we could uh, skedaddle off to uh, to drink eggnog and uh, make gingerbread houses. I mean, that's what I'm doing. I don't know about you. Is that a Christmas but, house? Is eggnog a Christmas drink? Hmm, I don't know. Depends on your I identity. Mean, do, well, do you drink it in June? I don't drink nog ever. Screw you. Oh, I almost said something bad. 
I like to um, I like to add the whiskey to it. Yeah, we've been uh, we've been doing whiskey, whiskey nog. Um, Augie's all about it. He he um, <laughs> about eggnog with whiskey, huh? <laughs> uh huh. Go ahead, go is, ahead. That, is that weird? It's weird. <laughs> L.A. living suckers. I do. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen this one. I don't know if they have it out there. It's a eggnog that comes with all kinds of liquor already in it. It's called Pennsylvania Dutch. Uh, a, it tastes fantastic, and B, that is the perfect name for an eggnog that is loaded with liquor, just Pennsylvania Dutch. I hope it's right? made in, like, Oklahoma. I know. <laughs> Let's talk about injuries real quick. How bad is this Micah Kaiser injury? We'll see. The, the good thing is Micah Kaiser is not that sad. I, I, I've enjoyed this season for him. I'm excited for him moving forward. But there's, what, six or seven guys on the defense that I think are more valuable than Micah Kaiser, where if they got injured, I'd be more panicked than I would be with Micah Kaiser. we got a couple guys that you can slot in there, whether it's Kenny Young or Troy Reader. We don't get a ton out of our linebackers anyway. Um, you know, this, this defense is Aaron Donald plus the secondary. And as long as you've got that, you can plug and play a couple different guys in the middle of that defense and be fine. So as much as I enjoy having Micah out there and I want him to, you know, continue to earn his keep, uh, that's not going to stop the Rams defense at all. Nothing's going to stop us now. I believe that was by the uh, Bob Dylan band. Uh, no, this stop us now. We could build this team together, standing close together. 1969 at the Holiday Bowl. One of my favorite movies is Madigan 2 on the move. And now I've got a TV to watch Cronkite every night. It's almost turning into more, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, like uh, Tom Waits? No. <laughs> yeah, Tom Waits. Is, uh, what's the guy that sang with Gaga, the old Italian singer? Um, Tony Bennett? Tony Bennett. It's almost Tony. <laughs> yeah. Tony Bennett, Bob Dylan impression. That's horrible. What a waste of it. time. This is Tony. Um, let, let, here we go. Again, the kids, the kids listening to the show are just like, finally. They totally understand it. They, they understand the what we're talking about. Final six you, Okay. <laughs> I, I, I wanted to get into the O Murphy album, 1989. But <laughs> well done. The final six Matt. games. It's time for NFC West. Uh, 49ers, Cardinals. Then we get a break with our Northeasterly teams, Patriots and SoFi. Uh, and then the Jets coming to SoFi to bless us with their presence. Finishing with Seahawks and the Cardinals. This is it, man. This is what's going to determine uh, – uh, if the Rams, and they look like they're going to be a pro playoff team, it's almost mathematically there, but if they are, where they're going to slot into the seeding and then how much confidence we're going to have in them. Because there's a good chance, uh, you know, the Cardinals and the 49ers are going to be right there with us going into the – I mean, the Seahawks and the Cardinals. Yeah. Um, well, you know what? It's funny because people are counting out the, the, the Niners because they have four wins, yeah. but then they're looking at these other teams like the Vikings that are still in the hunt. Sure. And they have four wins. I mean, can you have all four teams from a division make into the playoffs? Right. Yes, especially now that they've expanded to seven. Yeah, no, you definitely yeah. can. Okay. So our next game is uh, the 29th, uh, one o'clock game. And we're playing the bad guys. Playing the bad guys at home. At home. First game, first game ever in SoFi for San Francisco. I it's interesting that we're this deep in the season and we still haven't played the Cardinals yet. Right. And they're kind of the team that I am a little bit fearful of. I don't That's fair. like – because they're getting better. Mm -hmm. I think Kyler Murray is feeling himself a little bit more. He's getting more experience underneath his belt. So there's four – I mean, I, I like us playing against the Niners. I want us to win that game. 
I feel like we're mad because we lost the last time. They're beaten up. I feel like that is a really – I feel good about that game. Don't feel good about playing either games against Arizona, especially since home field doesn't really matter anymore. Right. So it's really just like how many times you play them. So playing them twice right now is not my favorite thing. And then playing against the Patriots, especially the Rams playing against the Patriots, not my favorite thing. <laughs> so that's not great. Jets – Fantastic. So already two wins for sure. Yeah. And then you also have to play the Seahawks, yep. which not my favorite. So there is a theory, not a theory, but there is a situation where we go two and four. And that would be that would be shitty because we would be nine nine win team. And if we deserve anything in the postseason though, it's it's winning those games that you gotta fight for. Mm-hmm. Right? You yeah. gotta at least you, you gotta you gotta beat the Cardinals at least once. You gotta beat the Patriots. And then, you know, so then if you if you lose two games, then I think you I think I think you're okay. I think if, if you win you got the Niners, you got one cards game, you got the Patriots and and the Jets. That's four. And so I'm awesome at math, and that means we're eleven wins. I've always been a, I've been a retriever guy, which I don't like the smart dogs. There's something about uh, something about a smart dog that I don't trust. They seem like uh, like they'd be like they'd look at you and be like, "You dumbass!" Like they they're smarter than you a lot of times, and I don't like it. Right? They're judging. They, yeah, and fair, fairly because they're right. They're, we are stupid. I don't like that. <laughs> Makes me uncomfortable. Love it.